different ways you can be a bad baseball team, but there's only one way that you can look like a bad baseball team. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way every Monday through Friday, bright and early in the morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. Pirates were in action last night in Tampa, Florida, falling to the Yankees 6-5 to five despite a Brian Goodwin grand slam in the sixth inning that made things interesting. Jared Oliva also homered in that same inning. Not a bad day overall individually for for some key guys on the club. Uh, Richard Rodriguez struck out three of the four batters that he faced. That's the one that jumps out for me in particular. Tyler Anderson, who I, I don't care about at all, that's the veteran lefty that they picked up as kind of a fail-safe for the rotation, started and was hit hard by the Yankees. Through all of this, through the 10 games that the Pirates have played in Florida, the one consistent that's emerged, in addition to mostly good pitching, especially from their younger guys, and somewhat surprisingly good hitting, is that they're not embarrassing themselves in the field. In fact, at times... In the infield, they've looked outright good. And I'm trying to think of any occasions going back over the last 30 years, including the 20 consecutive losing seasons and all that other stuff, where I saw a Pirates team that was terrible while at the same time being good defensively. And that is a rare combination. It really is. Generally speaking, when a baseball team is bad, it's bad that way as well. I guess the one exception that I could think of would be, and this is a big one, the 2010 Pirates who lost 105 games, but they had Jack Wilson and Freddie Sanchez on the left side of the infield so they were able to make their share of spectacular plays. Uh, overall, it just wasn't a team that showed well in any facet. When you stink, you stink. And when you stink in baseball, it's going to show all over. And it's going to be the most painful to experience when you're out in the field. There's just, there's just something prideful about defense in baseball that's always felt different than any other sport, at least from my perspective. As I look at these Pirates around the field, I'm not floored by their capabilities defensively. I don't think you're going to see gold gloves being distributed all over. But let's start with the fact that there are three legit gold glove candidates right near the pitcher's mound. Jacob Stallings, by most metrics, is the best defensive catcher in baseball. 
not just at throwing runners out trying to steal, but at picking balls in the dirt, at framing pitches, at working with his pitchers. He just does it all. He's actually hit pretty decently, too. Not a guy that's gotten a lot of respect yet in Pittsburgh. I have a feeling that has to do something with his dad being the extraordinarily failed basketball coach at Pitt a couple of years back, which is obviously really unfair. Good, good baseball player. Brian Hayes might not win a gold glove as a rookie. Gold glove is kind of a reputation award. But he's already won three of them in the minor leagues, and it doesn't take very long to watch Hayes pick the ball at third to know that he's got them in his future. And when I say them, I do mean the plural. He's going to win multiple gold gloves at the hot corner. And then you have Adam Frazier at second, presuming that he isn't traded, which I still think he will be, who has come dangerously close in consecutive years to winning a gold glove because his fielding percentage primarily is so high. He does not have spectacular range. He does not make spectacular plays. He's not Pokey Reese out there. But the balls that come his way he gloves and he finishes. Shortstop, I, I mean, I guess that depends on who's out there. I'm presuming it's going to be Kevin Newman. He's okay. Colin Moran was really tough to watch at third base because it involved footwork and doing a lot of movement that isn't his friend, <laughs> meaning movement. But at first base, he's... He's been okay. Um, here again, Moran is kind of like Frazier in the sense that if the ball's hit to him, he'll do all right with it. It's just when it involves moving and footwork and everything else that he finds himself in a little bit of trouble. Now, having a first baseman and a second baseman that are both kind of limited in range is, is going to hurt, but making the play is still the number one thing in baseball. The outfield... Uh, we'll see. You know, Brian Reynolds is a is a, a okay defender. He's a little inconsistent out there. Uh, for the most part, that's been strange. When he's made errors, they've been strange errors, unforced things where you go, what? Where was that? But he's also shown the ability to make bigger plays out there. He's shown ability to handle the bigger left field that's in PNC Park, including the diagonal route back to the notch. In center field, I, I'm not going to pretend to know what Anthony Alford can do, not after six games uh, in 2020. He, he's got he's to show something, so I'm not going to go too far there. And then Gregory Polanco is your right fielder, and whatever. I mean, the conversation kind of fizzles. But, but, overall, when we're talking about this team defensively and we're talking about what percentage of plays, difficult plays, challenging plays, have to be made around the infield dirt, including catcher, you're probably talking about a decent, not very good, not great, a decent defensive team. And I'd like to think that when you're talking about culture, the way Derek Shelton does, the way Ben Charrington does, part of that pride that you want to convey 
some of the stuff that I was talking about on yesterday's show where you're sending the message to other prospects and others in the system and even others around baseball that, hey, we're the Pirates. We have a low payroll and everything else. We're young. We're inexperienced. But we don't suck. You know, we're, we're here to play serious ball. The best way to show that now and then and way back to the late 1800s has always been to catch the ball, to make plays. It's never been about offense. It's never been about pitching. Not this stuff. The machismo, if that's a word I can apply here, the machismo in baseball has always come from defense. It's your pride. It's what you're wearing on your sleeve. And if this group can do that, and they can do it on a consistent basis, that'll be a nice element of this foundation moving forward. Look, there's a reason. There's a reason that Charrington, who is a man of not all that many words, and definitely not all that many that are aimed at rah-rah and motivation. You just have to listen to him to know that that's not really his thing. He has expectations of what he wants people to do, but he's not going to go get in their faces saying, go do this, be that, yay team. It's not an accident that before this spring that Charrington himself spoke publicly, publicly to us, the reporters, and then later in turn to the players about defense being a priority. He talked about some of the things that they, they liked that they saw in 2020 for whatever that whole weird season was worth. But he wanted this to be an organizational thing. And that falls in line with what you see around baseball. When people inside the game talk about the Twins' way or the Cardinals' way, they're talking about the way the Minnesota and St. Louis organizations in particular, those are the ones that get mentioned the most often, have conducted themselves all through the minor league systems where the players are expected to behave a certain way and to perform a certain way. And so much of that emphasis is on defense. Yes, you hear it applied to things like executing a bunt or hit and run, whatever, but mostly it's about defense. When the Cardinals make a play, and you see them all the time in the division, how often do you hear the broadcaster say, now that's just a St. Louis play right there. That's just what you expect to see from the Cardinals. Why? Well, mostly it's because they have Yadier Molina behind the plate, and they've gotten some really good players, and they've had really good players over the years, most of whom, it should be added, came up through the St. Louis system, as Yachty did. They're not alone. I mean, we don't see Minnesota, obviously, as often being an American League team. But inside baseball, you hear it even more about the Twins. Now there's some of that that's heading toward the, the – the, some of that praise is now goes toward the Rays, the Indians, and other organizations that have done real well at developing. Actually, you know who else you hear that a lot about? And I hate to say this because of their payroll, but it's the Dodgers. The Dodgers, in addition to having the quarter of a billion that they spend, they're also really good at this sort of thing. The Pirates need to be that. It's not optional. 
It's not optional. It's not something that they can figure out later in the equation. And good for Charrington for making that a stated point of order going into this spring, but better yet for Shelton, his coaches, and the players for having gone out through 10 Grapefruit League games and, you know, having shown some of this out there on the field. I tell you what, there's a lot you can withstand as an observer of this team through the 2021 season if they aren't embarrassing themselves out on the field. I think we can all agree on that one. When we come back, just one question. Just one question. If you'd like to leave one, you can do so by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that encompasses this podcast and leave it right there in comments. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. And always on this program, that's brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar and the North Shore Tavern. Those are sister operations right next to each other on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park side with the Willie Stargell statue. They're open for business. They're serving everything. At Mike's, you can find more than 300 local beers available in-house from more than 50 local breweries. There's no place like it in the city. There's always, always 80 taps of local. They also are offering specials. Buy three crawlers, get three free. I'm not making that one up. Buy three crawlers and get three free. You also can get 50% off mix and match six packs. Next door at North Shore Tavern, that's the home of the steak on a stone. That's all I ever need to say about North Shore Tavern, other than it's a Pirates fan's delight with the decor in there. Only Pirates Bar in Pittsburgh. Mike's Beer Bar and North Shore Tavern. Today's question comes from Charlie Morton's dog, which would be awesome if it were actually the case, like if it was Charlie's dog. As it is, we'll have to settle for a question from the guy who goes by Charlie Morton's dog, who's been with us for a while at DK Pittsburgh Sports as a reader. He asks, with the emphasis this season being on prospects and development, what effect do you think the restructuring of the minor leagues will have on how quickly younger prospects move through the Pirates system? It's a bigger jump now to low A with no short season ball. Further, have you gotten any indication from Ben Charrington on his philosophy for moving prospects between levels in season based on age, performance, etc.? I'll take your second one first. I have gotten an indication from Ben. I've brought it up with him. If he believes in a certain pace, uh, his wording on this was a little stronger than he'll usually word things. And it was that players will move up when they're ready. He's not in the business or of the belief that players should have their pace slowed down for service time and for some of the other things that you see along the way. He's not of the belief that they should be held down based on not having checked off all 10 things on a Kyle Stark checklist like used to happen under the old regime where a lot of the individual things to that specific player didn't necessarily align with some of the unchecked boxes on the checklist. I'll try to be clear about what that means. If you're a player at a certain position, 
and you're not necessarily excelling at this or that, and this or that doesn't align with your position or what you're expected to do, you're not going to have a strike against you. You're not going to be held down. There were literal checklists that players would have to have crossed off by the development staff in order to move up, which is the primary reason that you saw some really weird freezings of certain prospects at certain levels over the years, and you're wondering, hang on a second, this dude is striking out like every single hitter he's facing, and he can't get out of a ball. What's going on here? That's what was going on. One of the things that Ben Charrington talked about a lot back when he was hired, like right away, like the day he was hired, was about assigning individual player plans about individualized player instruction. And now as I say it that way, some of you might remember him phrasing it that way as well. He must have brought it up a hundred times that day. Individualized player development. We want to do what's best for that player. While we believe in certain things collectively, while we have certain philosophies that will apply across the board to the Pirates, we don't and won't be of the mindset that every prospect has exactly the same needs or the same things to learn and to excel at along the way. If that sounds like I'm avoiding your question, I'm not. That That's actually the answer. Maybe. Because I can say all these things right now, and the fact of the matter is we have yet to see one actual day of Ben Charrington overseeing a minor league system, at least in Pittsburgh. Think about it. There's been no minor league ball yet. There won't be any, even this year, until May. And from there, it's going to be a while till we can watch player movement. Ultimately, his tests are going to be the players that you're kind of describing here, and, and that, that's the elite players. What do you do with a Quinn Priester if he's mowing everybody down? What if the Pirates end up drafting Kumar Rocker? What do you do with him? Uh, do you have a faster plan that's put into place? Um, some guys, to their credit, uh, of the previous management, did move up fast. Garrett Cole rocketed through the Pirates system by comparison. Pedro Alvarez came through very quickly. Now, these were number one overall picks, and they should, but it's not like they were held down deliberately or anything like that. So there were exceptions with the previous guys as well. I think that the healthier approach is the one that Charrington outlined, which is when you're ready, you're ready. That doesn't mean you have a couple of good games and everybody gets excited about it who follows prospects and then you move up. No, there might be something that's really wrong that they still need to see more of at that level. There might be shortcuts that that pitcher or that hitter is taking. But for the most part, it sounds, sounds like Charrington's got the right idea. Obviously, we'll have to see that in action. Good question. Thanks for that one. Thanks for... Thanks to everybody for listening today. We will do another one of these tomorrow. At Point Park.
Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.